when we get done preaching, don't run off. We got plenty of food over there that folks have brought in today. First Sunday of the month, we like to all eat together. Amen. We spend one Sunday. Uh, we spend one Sunday all afternoon together, and then spend the rest of the month getting over what we're mad about. Amen. But I'm just kidding about that. But we certainly do like to have uh, dinner on the grounds first Sunday of the week. And uh, we always enjoy that, so stay. Whether you brought something or not, that makes absolutely no difference. Uh, you're absolutely welcome. Eat all you want. Eat it till it's gone. Amen? But now for the real stuff. Amen? For the, for the real reason that we're here, the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, Luke chapter 9, I think I told you. And let's look in verse number 57. Verse number 57. Let me read a few verses here. And then we'll preach what the Lord's put on our heart. I don't foresee this being a long sermon. Of course, that can be dangerous. Sometimes when I say that, I end up preaching more and more. The shorter, the shorter my outlines, the longer my messages. Amen? Uh, there's nothing to control what I'm saying. But at any rate, except for the Holy Ghost. Amen? Holy Ghost. Uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse number 57 and boy, this is uh, this is not a good place to preach a sermon from because you can really you can really say a lot out of this passage right here. Uh, this is all about excuses. See how quiet that got right there? Excuses. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will father, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now we don't know what the, how we don't know what this fellow's exact response is to Jesus, but we know we do know this. This fellow, as Jesus went in the way, it says, as they went in the way, and that's what you and I are doing right now. We're going in the way. We're going the way the Lord tells us we ought to go. We're living how we ought to live. The Bible says, as Jesus went in the way, he says, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. So somebody like what they saw in Jesus. Amen. Uh, do you like what you see in Jesus? You know, sometimes we get to the place in our Christian life or maybe we just got saved or whatever the case is we begin to like what we see and immediately boy we want to live that way we want to and boy it is a good way to live isn't it yeah. and there was there was a time in your christian life when christianity was all you could think about the bible was all you could think about when you got in the car it wasn't acdc no more it was right. uh, it was some christian group or some maybe even it was just a church tape amen, amen. a church tape be better and uh, there's nothing wrong with that a church tape better than acdc yeah. Right. Amen. Or uh, ACD. If you ain't careful, you might end up strapped to some AC and DC. Amen. Uh, this world leads you to electric chair. Lord leads you to heaven. Amen. But at any rate, uh, you remember a time, don't you, when the Lord was everything to you? Yeah. Amen. Let me just ask you this right now: Is it still that way? Amen. Uh, have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your uh, your excited uh, attitude about the Lord that you once had? I hope that you hadn't. Amen. But I want you to notice this fellow come up to the Lord and he said, "Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest." You ever said that to the Lord? Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Got to be careful sometimes. Some folks, when they did say that, they was in trouble. And they said it this way. They didn't say it exactly that way, but they said it this way. They said, Lord, if you'll get me out of this trouble, I'll... Yeah. 
You just fill in the blank. That's very dangerous because nine times out of ten, when you make a deal out of duress, once the duress is over with, you go back to thinking just like you always thought. The best thing, not, the best thing to do in Christianity is not make no deals. Just take the deal he's already offered you. Amen. Run with that. But at any rate, you complicate things when you make your own deals. And besides, you can't get to heaven on your own deals. No way. Amen. So he says, so this man said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And so here's the Lord's answer to him. Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So what he's saying to this uh, disciple is, he's saying, listen, fox has got a place to lay down, and birds got a place to lay down, but if you're going to follow me, there's going to be some hardship involved. You're not going to have everything that you want or everything that you desire. He said you will have everything you need. But I don't remember Jesus ever saying, I need this or I need that or I'm lacking or I'm doing without. Jesus had what he needed and all of his disciples had what he needed. But what he said to this man, this man said, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, well, I ain't got nowhere to lay my head. You want to follow me? And then... Now this man, he ought to be a good example. We all ought to be saying the same thing. Lord, I'll follow you wherever. But then after, I want you to notice, after Jesus gives this man the answer, uh, there wasn't very many people after that who was following this man's leadership. This man said, I'll follow you wherever you go. In verse number 59, Jesus said to another, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Got something else to do. The one man says, I'm going to follow you anywhere. Jesus said, you ain't going to find much spot to lay your head down. If you're following Jesus, if you're following me, there ain't going to be much place of rest. Not like the world thinks of rest. It's going to be, did you know the Christian life was nonstop? Yeah. Did you know it was, even when the Lord gives you rest, you know you're still working for the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So the, after hearing that, the Lord turns around to another and says, how about you following me? And he says, well, I've got some things to do. And boy, could you find a better excuse than to go bury your father? Which one of you, if you had a, a father that had deceased, which one of you wouldn't? Go and bury him. Now, be very positive about this. The Lord is not saying that you ought not bury your father. Don't just leave him laying there. Amen? That's not what he's saying. But he says, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But look, look what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, how inconsiderate of Jesus. Wouldn't you think that was a good excuse? Don't you think you've come up with some good excuses about why you can't do what God wants you to do? Well, you know I've got to do this and I've got to do that. No, what you've got to do is follow Jesus. The Lord didn't allow him to get off with that excuse, did he? You say, well, I don't see how the Lord could just say that to somebody that just lost their father because he's the Lord. Right. See, a lot of people just think of Jesus as a good teacher 
or uh, maybe people think about Jesus as a as a as a tire tool that'll help them when they have a flat tire along the road of life. But Jesus is God. Jesus is our Master. And Jesus is more important than our Father, whether it's a living Father or a deceased Father, a dead Father. Well, preacher, I've got this thing coming up, and you know, you know, when it gets revival time, folks say, "Well, preacher, I'll be there if nothing else comes up." Well, why don't you let the revival be the thing that comes up? Why don't you let you know? I'll read my Bible this week, preacher. If nothing comes up, why don't you let reading the Bible be the see the thing that comes up that keeps you away from serving God is the thing that's more important to you than God. Amen. You better not get to the place where you let anything come up that'll keep you from serving God. Serving God's your first responsibility. Jesus said, "You just let the dead, let the unsaved take care of those worldly things." And he said, you go preach the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, if Jesus argues against an excuse like that, that kind of puts our measly little excuses in the garbage dump, doesn't it? Amen. Preacher, you're preaching awful straight this morning. I feel good. Amen. Now, Brother Louis is back. I can preach again. Amen. Didn't want to leave him behind. Amen. All right. He says here, now look at this. This isn't the end of the story here. He says, and another also said, Lord, I will follow follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, now look what he says here. He says, I will go follow you. But I've got to go tell these people at home goodbye. I've got to go uh, kiss my dear mother and, and hug my cousin around the neck. And I've got, to, I've, I've got to take care of my family. You ever heard that excuse for why you can't serve God? Well, listen, when, when the apostles went out and started preaching through the book of Acts, they said, now, hey, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved and your household. It's not our job to go back and kiss them good, goodbye. It's our job to bring them along with us. Amen. Yeah. You know, some people say, well, I can't come to church this week because my Aunt Judy doesn't come by this weekend. Bring her. I can't come because I got to go hug my, I got to hug my Aunt Judy's neck. Amen. Uh, if, if the rascal won't come to church, you tell her to stay away on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah, right. Amen. You do know Christian principles apply to your family, don't they? You know, we've had family members come by and uh, and want to stay a few days with us in this wonderful country that we live in. Everybody, you know, just chomping at the bits to get into Folkestone, Georgia. But we, uh, uh, from time to time, you get family members and such come in. They bring girlfriends and such as that, like that. And you know, they kind of look at you crossways when you say you can't you can't uh, stay together here. You're not married. (gasps) What do you mean? Uh, we we had some interesting uh, we had some interesting comments. You know, family members come by and they want to get in your swimming pool. You say, "Well, you got to put some clothes on." Right. Uh, you know, I, I heard my I heard my little nephew whispering to my aunt, "How come I got to swim with my shirt on?" Yeah. So I'll get quiet right there. Yeah. Amen. Because your family. 
ought to ought to be included in Christian principle. Just because they don't believe in Jesus don't mean they can uh, put their influence in your home, in your house. Lord, I would serve you, but I've got my family to think about. Yeah. You better bring your family along with you, amen? Amen. amen. Well, that's, don't you think that's a little extreme? Brother Mike, don't you think these, all these Christian principles, don't you think they're a little bit extreme? Well, listen, don't you think homosexual marriage is a little bit extreme? Don't you think abortion of babies is a little bit extreme? When's the last time your lost loved ones have come to your house and apologized to you for homosexuality and and, uh, indecent behavior and immodesty and abortion? The world's not apologizing to you about their immodesty, are they? When you when you going to stop apologizing for your modesty? When you going to stop apologizing because you listen to different music? When are you going to stop apologizing because you dress a little bit different and believe a little bit different? Lord, I would follow you, but I got my family to think about. You know what, brother John? I don't believe I got nothing to apologize for for what I believe in. That's right, man. Amen. Lot safer. A lot safer this belief that I have. Now, we get to the text verse here in verse number 62. And this is where I take my, my message from. And I want to preach to you this morning about keep on plowing. Keep on plowing. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You reckon Jesus meant that? We was listening in Sunday school about this man. Or we was reading an article from some folks that don't believe the Bible. They pretended to be Christians, but they don't believe the Bible. And they say a lot of things that Luke and Matthew and stuff said that Jesus said. Maybe he didn't really say. But I believe Jesus said this. Amen. And Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You ever said, I'm going to go to church? Have you ever said, I'm going to start reading my Bible? Have you ever said, I'm going to start praying? Have you ever said, I'm going to start telling people about Jesus? Have you ever said, I'm going to start living right instead of living wrong? And how long did that last? How long was it before you was looking back? You know, one of those plows is prayer. And one of those plows is witness. I mean, it's, the plow is a tool that you use to get the work done you're supposed to be doing. One of those plows is going to church. One of those plows is telling people about Jesus. One of those plows is reading your Bible and studying it like you ought to. One of those plows is praying for your lost loved ones and for your saved loved ones and for your church and for your preacher and for the person sitting left to, to the left of you and to the right of you in your, in your church pew. Yeah. Anybody ever made dedication to start doing such things as that? I'm going to pray every day. Lord, I'm going to pray every day. The Lord says, that's a difficult task, son. You know, in the flesh, it's hard to pray every day. And the flesh don't like to read the Bible. I don't care if you're saved or not. Your flesh doesn't enjoy having to sit down and read. I just can't read. Well, go sit in the corner, dunce. I mean, people that people that sit and watch television all day long will expect you to believe that they can't read good enough to read the Bible. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And you go go in the house while they're watching TV and say, "Now what's going on?" Well, this guy right here just set up a thermonuclear reactor, and uh, this guy over here is trying to set off an EMP blast, and you know it, this is all going to culminate so as to shut down the. 
And they're going into all this technical junk they learned on television. And this guy's got a smartphone. And this smartphone has a, has a, uh, has a cork. And this thing, it's set up to where it will... they using all this big high-tech technology talk. And, oh, have you read your Bible today? You know, it's just too hard to understand. <laughs> the fact of the matter is you just too lazy to read. Amen. The flesh then got you down. Amen. But you remember a time when you dedicated yourself to serve God? Don't you? Got awful quiet right there. We'll have an invitation right there. Amen. <laughs> Every head bowed and every eye closed. Amen. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. The Bible says the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God is not heaven. He didn't say you weren't worthy of heaven. Is anybody in here worthy of heaven? Is anybody in here fit for heaven? Absolutely not. You don't go to heaven by being fit for heaven. You go to heaven by trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen? Now listen, what he said was you're not fit for the kingdom of God. So what's the kingdom of God? The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, Peace. You got any of that? Amen. And joy. Amen. Got any of that? Amen. Yeah. In the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Lord said if you're going to dedicate yourself to work for the Lord, and that lasts about two weeks, and then you take your hand off the plow and start looking back yonder, said you ain't worthy of no peace. Amen. Right. He said you're not going to get any joy. You say, well, oh yeah, i got a pill that'll give me joy. That'll give you no joy. that just give you dependence on another pill. Uh, amen. amen. I wish I had about half the stringy-headed teenagers in this county sitting in here this morning so I could tell them what dumbest they are. Amen. amen. When you see them on the street, you tell them what dumbest they are. They ain't going to get no peace and no joy out of no pot and marijuana and drugs and pills and all kinds of dumb stuff like that. And that goes for Budweiser too. Amen. Unless there be any... Uh, my, my old preacher said, not Bud Wiser, it's Bud Dumber. Make you dumber. Right. Amen. Don't give you no joy. It makes you wake up with a headache. Right. And plus it looks like something a horse peed out. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But people go right on, don't they? Looking for peace and joy and satisfaction out of that stuff. And they ain't going to find it. They ain't going to find it. Ain't going to find it. Ain't going to find it. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit to be happy. Not fit to be happy. Not fit for any joy. Not fit for any joy. And it's no wonder to me that Christians go on a couple of years and they find something to do for the Lord. They find something that they enjoy doing. They find something they can do for their fellow Christians. And they do that. And they do that. And they do that. But after a while, uh, they kind of get to missing something. You say, what is it? I don't know. I ain't never had nobody to explain it to me yet. I'm just missing something. Uh, and usually they'll come to you and say, well, you know, this church just isn't what it used to be. All kinds of excuses just like that. Well, can I submit to you that the problem is probably not with your church? Amen. That's right. It's probably you. Yeah. Amen. You, you probably started living for God, but then the flesh got involved and you started looking back at some things you used to do or some things you want to do or some stuff you could do if sister so-and-so didn't find out about it. 
And that, listen, that stuff took the forefront while that thing you dedicated yourself to do for God takes the back seat. And so the Lord says you're not fit for peace. You can't have peace. You can't have no joy like that. Listen, you ever seen a cow out in an old cow pasture someplace? I mean, I've raised up around cows. We had more cows. Uh, we had more cows up there in southwest Virginia than y'all got pine trees around here. I mean, we just had cows all over the place. And I promise you, just about every cow pasture I've ever went by had some cow standing there in 75, 80, 100, 200 acres worth of grass and he's got his stupid head poked through the fence eating grass on the outside. I think Irma Bombeck used to have a book that says grass was greener over the septic tank. Anybody remember that book back in the 70s? I never read the book, but my mama had it at the house, and I'd walk by and read it, and I'd go, hmm. <laughs> but that's, that's true. It's greener over the septic tank. Is that where you want to eat your grass at? No. <laughs> so, well, Brother Mike, thanks sure was. I, I mean, I sure did have a lot more fun back there. You mean over the septic tank? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got everything you need right here in the Christian life. The problem is you don't, you've allowed your flesh to get a little bit strong. You've allowed some influences to come back in your life. And now you're starting to wonder if you made the right decision or not. And what I'm trying to get to you about that little illustration is, is that cow can't be satisfied with all that grass that's inside of his fence, inside the protection, inside the security, inside that place where its master put him. It can't be satisfied as long as it's looking at that grass outside the fence that's just a little bit taller. Yeah. Nobody walked on that. Nobody cut that. Ain't nobody been eating right there. So he just can't help himself. He can't be satisfied with what he's got because that's what he sees. So what you're satisfied with usually is going to be determined not by how great and wonderful and spiritual you are. It's going to be determined about what your eyes have been looking at. Amen. And so that's why the Lord, He didn't say if any man puts his hand to the plow and then goes back. He said if any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back. Hmm? Yeah. You remember when I told you I said it's hard to pray for 45 minutes and then go rob a bank? Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Would you agree that it's hard to go out and preach and tell people about Jesus and read your Bible for an hour and then go out and rob a bank? Yeah. I've, never, I've never heard in any courthouse, well, Your Honor, I was reading my Bible and sharing with my friend about Jesus and then... For some reason, I got the urge and grabbed my pistol and went out and held up the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Never heard that testimony, have you? Well, listen, if that's true and if that's, if that's something that makes sense to you, it ought to make sense to you that you can't sit there and watch television 24 hours a day and listen to George Strait and Hank Williams moan the blues all day. You can't do that 24-7 and then think you're going to be able to live for God at the same time. Right. Yeah, right. Amen. Works both ways. Galatians five seventeen says as much. It says the the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Right. You know why you're not happy serving the Lord? 
because you got your eyes on things that doesn't inspire you to do the things of the Lord. You, you, you hear people say, we get to the, go to the movies this weekend. And you hear those same people saying, I guess we got to go to church. It's Wednesday night. I'm, there must be something chemically unstable about Wednesdays. I mean, the universe must slightly come unraveled on Wednesdays. I mean, Wednesday is like the twilight zone of the week, isn't it? You wake up, oh man. You go to work, oh what a bad day. The, the boss fusses at you on Mondays and Wednesdays, don't you? He fusses at you on Monday to rob you of the blessing you got on Sunday. And then he fusses at you on Wednesday to ruin your day so you don't go to church on Wednesday night. You get home from Wednesday and get in the recliner and oh my goodness, I just don't think I can make it today. But then back to reality Thursday morning and man, I feel great. Think I'll go to the gym tonight. Hey, Okie Finoki's got fish. It's Friday night. Let's get down there. Y'all will be back next Sunday, won't you? <laughs> fish in the gym. I've taken away all of Folkestone's possibilities. <laughs> hey man, ain't nothing to do in Folkestone but go eat fish on Friday and go to the gym on Thursday. Bingo night. Hey, it's bingo. We gotta go bingo. Preacher, I've been working so hard, you know, I can't go to revival, you know. I, we're just having financial difficulty now. And, uh, you know, I think it'd be wise if I got some overtime this week. I don't believe I'd be able to make it to that there revival meeting you're having. But let October the 15th roll around. Deer season. <laughs> hey, boss, man, i got to take me a week off. You know all the people that would take a Sunday off and do this and that. I wonder if the folks would take a Monday off. Your boss would fire your rear end if you treated it like you treated God, wouldn't he? We'll leave that alone. Let's move right along. See, this was supposed to be a short message and I've strayed slightly from my uh, notes here. Let me say this about looking back. Now listen, uh, let me say this about, about looking back. Let me say this, there's nothing back there. There's nothing back there. Amen? There's nothing back there. Well, there's nothing back there but distraction from what's ahead. You, do you know what's ahead in your Christian life? Joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering grace, peace, the blessed hope of Christ's return. The only thing behind you is a distraction from all that stuff that God wants to do for you. That's 
Nothing back there but distraction. What's ahead? Victory. What's ahead? Listen, understand it. Some of you have got things about God that you've wanted to know and you've been studying, you've been thinking about it. But listen, if the world back there distracts you, you're never going to get that understanding. Understanding takes faithfulness. You've got to keep at the plow and keep at the plow and keep at the plow till the field's all plowed up. Then you get then you get the fruit of the field. You don't get the fruit of the field till the field's plowed up. You know, several years ago they started, you know, the, the wisecrackers and the smart alecks in the, in the college universities, you know, all these tree huggers and such, they said, we're going to save this planet and one way we're going to do it is we're going to stop plowing our fields and we're just going to go at the appropriate uh, length that a plant should be planted and we're just going to drill holes in the ground and plant our plants in there and that we're going to save the planet that way. And you know what happened to the smart alex? Their, pl- their crops wouldn't grow that way. <laughs> you got to plow the field. Listen, you can't take your life and go every so often and every little bit of, like Sunday to Sunday and dig little holes and expect God to plant some good fruit-bearing Plants in your life. You've got to plow up that field. Got to plow up that field. God's got to have access to more than just a hole in your life that's evenly spaced seven days apart to get something out of Christian life. But you're looking back there, you're not going to get what's ahead. I thank God for liberty. I thank God for the peace that we have in America. We don't have to do this or have to do that. But I'd like to remind you that there was a time in your life when you saw your sinfulness and you saw God's righteousness and you accepted what He was offering and you was glad about it. What's happened since? What's happened? I'm trying to remind you, like they reminded us in boot camp when we didn't want to be there no more. You signed the contract. Yeah. There was something way back when that made you want to be here. And the difference now I'm trying to tell you is lie of the devil, the deceit of the world, the faultiness of this flesh is telling you that there's something else and there is nothing else. promise you that. Amen? There's nothing back there. There's nothing back there. Listen, on the other hand, there's nothing back there but heartache. There's nothing back there but false promises. Remember when the world told you you'd be cool if you smoked? How's that working out? Is coughing cool? <laughs> you know what I wish? When I was a boy, I don't know if they got, I don't even think they're allowed to do this anymore. But when I was a boy, I remember seeing these signs, and boy, this ad campaign been going on for years. And, uh, but at any rate, you've come a long way, baby. You ever seen those ads? Oh, this beautiful uh, starlet up here, this beautiful woman up there. She's got her cigarette. She looks so high class. I always wanted to, you know, if I had the money, but I don't have the money to do something like that. But I always wanted to get another sign and say, you've come a long way, baby, and have this decrepit old falling apart woman <laughs> with no teeth and hooked up to a ventilator. Yeah, you've come a long way, baby, but it's the wrong direction. That's false promises. Amen? Just think about the things you chased back there before you got saved and look look at where it would have brought you to if you would have caught some of that stuff. Amen? 
Super Bowl and football. I love football. I mean, I love the Dallas Cowboys almost as good as I love my wife and children. Not quite. <laughs> but almost. I mean, them, them, how about them boys? I like them. Amen. So I don't think you should like them. Mind your own business. Amen. <laughs> You go get you a church and preach against football. I, I like it. Amen? Amen. Uh, but on them commercials. Now, what I did because I love football, so I watch it on television. I just order it, and I can watch all the games with no commercials or nothing. Now, you watch, watch a football game take you all day. I can watch it in 35 minutes, see every play. Amen. And none of the commercials. Amen. So I'm, I'm ahead. Amen? But what I'm trying to say, you get on them commercials and they... Well, if you drink Budweiser, you'll get big biceps. And out of the blue, you'll have a big old truck with big old tires. And all the girls are going to come around thank you the man. Now, you say, well, they don't exactly say that. Well, they give you the idea that all you got to do is drink, then you'll be in, everything will be wonderful. And then you... Probably, I'm going to say nobody around here drinks any beers. Of course, we might be surprised. But fellas, do like this. (laughs) That belly probably started somewhere around the fifth or sixth beer you ever had. They meant just false promises. You look at these guys and they're watching football. Yes, I'm athletic. They even wear their headbands and their and their armbands and they're in there watching the game. And they're watching these guys running around. They're 350 pounds with a beer in each hand, out of shape as they've ever been. That stuff is lying to you. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. They got these models that that been starving themselves for 10 years. Put them on television. Tell you if you do what they do. That you'll be like them. And the thing you don't know about it is these models have to sign, they have to sign a contract that said they neither smoke nor drink. Then they put them on television acting like they're smoking and drinking so you suckers will go out and do it. You say, why do they make them sign contracts that'll make them, that, that they won't smoke and drink? Because smoking will get them ugly and drinking will make them fat. That's why. You say, what are you getting at, Brother Mike? Are you insinuating that smoking and drinking is bad? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. But what? listen, what's more than that? What you're looking back at, now you've been uh, living the Christian life for a couple of years and you're bored. What you're looking back at is just a bunch of broken promises, a bunch of false promises, a bunch of lies, a veil of tears, a bunch of dead-end roads that, that wasn't good enough to begin with. That's why you come ask Jesus to save you. Amen. Unless you're one of these folks that just said a little prayer just so you didn't have to go to hell. And that's not salvation. Amen. Salvation is repentance toward God and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You take part of that equation out, you'll wind up in hell. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Salvation is saying, Lord, I'm sorry I believe the devil's lie. I'm sorry I followed the devil's lie. I'm sorry I was even in the shape to be fooled by the devil. Now save me and deliver me by your grace. And He saved you and delivered you by His grace, didn't He? 
Well, He delivered you in order not just to give you eternal life, but to give you life more abundantly. Hey, that stuff back there that's got your attention, that's got you down in the mouth, that's got you sorry that you started serving God, how do I quit? Because if I quit now, somebody's going to get upset. I've got to find a way to break it to them gently. How about keeping your word and keep on going and don't look back? There ain't nothing back there. Ain't nothing back there. False promises, broken hearts. You used to know that, didn't you? It's still true. Amen. Yes, sir. The broken promises of the world that so magnified the greatness of Jesus, they're still broken promises and Jesus is still great. Amen. You say, what do I need to do? Quit looking behind you. Start looking ahead again. Get your heart right again. Get your, get your vision straight again. There isn't one promise in this world that I've ever found to be true and faithful except for God's promises. And when I get down and when I get depressed and when I get uh, the, the grief of the world on me, I find every single time that being faithful to God's Word and taking God at His Word makes those things disappear every single time. There is so much more to look forward to than there is to look back at. Amen. That's a promise that I guarantee you everybody who's ever served the Lord faithfully can tell you. And I'd, I'd, I'd even be willing to say this. If you could gather together in this room today, everybody that's not only looked back but went back could tell you the same thing. I wish I'd never got myself into this mess. I wish I'd never got myself into this mess. I have family members that are saved and have backslid and have told me time and time again, I wish I could get right and I wish I'd never got into this mess, but I don't know how to get out of it. Sometimes going back is a more entangling web than the web you was in to begin with. And that's biblical. I'm not saying you can't get back. I'm not saying you can't get straightened out. But I am saying, and the Bible does agree, uh, rather I should say I do agree with the Bible. The Bible says that a man that cleans up and gets the uncleanness out, the Bible says if he doesn't replace that with something good, that an unclean spirit will come back and bring seven devils more unclean than himself, and you'll be seven times worse than you was to begin with. That's truth. Some of you are thinking, well, boy, I'd just have some peace if I could just take a break for just a little while. If I just give, if I just give somebody else an opportunity for a little bit, I'll be okay. You'd be worse off than you've ever been. You'll be worse off than you've been. Well, if I just take a little break. If you take a little break, you'll be worse off than you ever have been. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep plowing. Say, Brother Mike, I, I, I don't feel good. I understand that. I understand going through this world there's hardship. I understand there's grief. Jesus said for his, for his disciples, in this world they have tribulation. But He said, I give you peace. I'll give you peace. A peace that passeth understanding. A peace that people don't understand. Because how can you go through hardship and have peace at the same time? You keep your hand on the plow. You keep your mind on your work. You keep your mind on the Lord. Amen? And the Bible says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and He'll establish your hearts. That's a promise. That's a promise. I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. All you have to do is trust Him. And He'll prove Himself faithful to you. Time after time after time after time. He said, Brother Mike, I've been going through it a long time. Can I remind you about the testimony you just heard a few minutes ago? Nine months. Nine months. 
Now, what I wanted to do in December was pray, now God heal this man, bring him home. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? But nine months. Sometimes take longer than nine months. Some of you have been going through stuff for far longer than nine months, haven't you? Don't don't despair. Right. Don't go back. Right. If anything, get more dedicated. Amen. If anything, find something else to do. Hey, when you get done plowing this field, go plow the next field. Right. Amen. You know, there's nothing in this world that'll take your mind off of the hard work of plowing your own field than to go plow your neighbor's field. Amen. You think you've got troubles? You probably do. But look around the world you live in. Everybody's got troubles. You want relief from some of your troubles? Go help your neighbor with some of his. Jesus found that to be a good way to live. Amen? Well, the Bible said He went about doing good. You say where? Everywhere. Everywhere. Even some of the men that turned around and walked away from the Bible says Jesus loved them. Fella said, uh, what must I do to gain eternal life? He said, sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Jesus checked him right there, didn't he? The man turned around sorrowful and walked away because he had a lot of riches. And the Bible says, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved that man. Jesus would have helped him. And I hope in a year's time or ten years time, I don't have to say Jesus would have helped him. That old boy, he was a good boy. Jesus would have helped him if he'd have just held on. We don't want to say that about anybody, do we? Amen. But rather, I would, I would like to say, hey, that old boy's been through some stuff, but he stayed faithful, kept his hands on the plow, and God helped him. Yeah. Would, you, would you keep your hands on the plow, folks? Would you keep your hands on the plow? Don't give in. Don't give in to this hardship. Don't give in to the trials. Don't give in to the tribulations. And especially don't go in, don't give in to the temptation that's back there. Keep your hand on the plow and keep your eyes off of that junk. They put them big old black uh, blinders on a horse's face while they're pulling those big wagons to keep them from looking around and seeing things that might distract them. Big old strong horse. You say, what kind of things? Like flies. <laughs> Big old horse will charge uh, another army in a cavalry line, but it'll jump and go crazy if a, a bumblebee flies by its head. <laughs> so they put the blinders to keep it from looking around. Hey, a Christian uh, can serve God and follow God, but it just seems like the smallest things come along distract their attention. Uh, Paul said it this way. He said, the sin that doth so easily beset us. What's the cure for that sin that doth so easily beset us? Looking, not back, but looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep your hands on the plow. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus. And one of these days, He'll come get you. And between that time and this, He'll just keep on giving you victory after victory after victory after victory. It's a great promise. And it's true. Amen. Amen. Brother Nathan, you come. Listen, let's bow our heads this morning. And I'd like to just make a little altar call here to you. Hey, will you keep your hand on the plow? Listen, you can be faulty. 
I understand that. I've got my faults. Uh, just because you've got a fault or a sin in your life don't mean that you can't keep going forward. Listen, one of those things that's out there ahead is deliverance from some of those things that you're doing now. You don't have to be perfect to serve the Lord. You was a sinner when you got saved. In your flesh, you was a sinner the next day. But God taught you and helped you. And listen, just because you are got a sin in your life or a hardship in your life, don't let that be a distraction from going forward. Keep going forward. Maybe next week will be deliverance from that beer or that cigarette. Hadn't God delivered you from a lot of things so far? Keep going. Keep going. God will give you the help that you need. Would you keep your hand on the plow? While He plays, you come as God directs you.